0: What's up, you fantastic weirdos, and welcome to the Weirdoverse. I'm your host JD Ross, and you are tuned into Weird Why, your favorite digital cult. I uh, hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody had a nice Mother's Day. Uh, gonna have uh, sending a nice belated Mother's Day to uh, everybody out there. Uh, recording a few days ahead of that, and uh, if you can't tell already, I do. Uh, I got sick last week. Still feeling some lingering effects of that. Uh, so um definitely gonna be uh you know this is definitely a little bit low energy i waited to the uh absolute last minute to record uh and here we are with that um like i said still don't still don't feel great but it's uh, truly a uh, the show must go on kind of thing uh so here i am with an, uh, you know with some content for you uh today we are going to be talking about uh the first cryptid to make an appearance on weird white if you don't count uh, terry uh and weird wild uh but uh today we're going to be talking about the bunny man uh, the Bunny Man's an interesting, uh, interesting East Coast cryptid here. So we're going to be talking about him. We're going to get a little weird with that. Uh, usually, at this part in the show, I uh, do have a uh, you know skip with uh, everyone's favorite disembodied alien, Larry. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, uh, I just like I said, I'm uh, just not feeling up to 100. percent Didn't write a Larry sketch, so we're just going to pretend that Larry is avoiding me because he doesn't want to get sick. So that's where we are. So let's get into it. Let's get weird. So, what is the Bunny Man? Bunny Man is a local cryptid and urban legend that originates in Fairfax County, Virginia, about a murderous rabbit man. Bunny Man legend grew throughout the uh, 20th century, allegedly stemming from several murders that occurred near a bridge called Colchester Pass in Clifton, Virginia. Uh, The bridge is locally known as the Bunny Man Bridge. According to legend, you can summon the Bunny Man if you're near his bridge at night by saying his name. Three times, Bunnyman, 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 much like Bloody Mary or the Candyman, uh, at which point he shows up and murders you with an axe before stringing your body up on his bridge. Uh, the Bunnyman is one of those local tales that changes with each telling like a true urban legend almost always will. Some versions say the Bunnyman is simply a killer who dons a white rabbit costume. Other versions sees the spirit of an escaped mental patient who was obsessed with avenging the murder of his family uh, and hid near uh, Colchester Pass, eating rabbits and wearing their skins and hanging their remains from tree branches and murdering children on Halloween night. That's pretty ballsy for uh, the bunny man, isn't it? Because uh, Halloween is Michael Myers turf. That's when, uh, that's Michael Myers' big day. So, you know, got the bunny man just hopping in here with that. It's pretty ballsy. Still, other legends seem to say that he might just be some weird dude who's super against trespassing. You'll see what I mean when we get to near the end of this episode. But whatever the variation on the tale, some factors remain universal. Uh, The bunny man is almost always wearing a bunny costume, or he's a humanoid rabbit monster, almost always wielding an axe or a hatchet, and a lot of the times will throw said axe or hatchet at a car. So where does the legend come from? Thanks to the efforts of one man in particular, Brian Conley, we have some of the potential answers. So, Brian Conley grew up in, Fair, in the Fairfax area and worked as a historian and archivist, and he actually traced the Bunny Man legend to some real-life murders that uh, may have inspired the legend. Uh, Mr. Conley has uh, a lot of his uh, research uh, condensed into a uh, um, pretty interesting article online, um, so I was able to uh, lean on a lot of his research uh, to, uh, for this episode, so that's where a lot of this is coming from. Conley writes that by 1973, the so-called Bunnyman had been reported in Maryland, Virginia, and the District of Columbia. His infrequent and widespread appearances tended to occur in secluded locations and usually tell of a figure clad in a white bunny suit, armed with an axe and threatening children or vandalizing property. By the 1980s, the Bunnyman had become an even more sinister figure with several gruesome murders to his credit. So the legend was spreading by the 70s, but where does it come from? And there's a couple possible explanations, uh, one that uh, Conley managed to uh, debunk pretty easily, but that's uh, that of Douglas Clifton. This explanation goes back as far as 1904, might be the oldest one, but like I said, was debunked by Conley. And uh, Douglas Clifton was said to be uh, one of two inmates who escaped an insane asylum while being transferred to Lorton Prison. Lorton will come up again. Uh, Clifton murdered his fellow inmate, Marcus Walster, and began taking on the persona of the Bunny Man problem is that, uh, along with a couple other uh, inaccuracies in this story, is Lorton Prison didn't actually open until 1910. Uh, so you already know this one's bull spit. Uh, but there are uh, some verified murders that did contribute to the legend. Conley was extremely thorough with his research. He looked over murders uh, from the local press going from 1872 to uh, 1973. This guy legitimately looked through over 100 years of newspapers going back to pre-Civil War time. That's dedication. You got to wonder if you look through the, some of the funny papers too. I mean, uh, how much fun would that be? Like go from like cowboy times, like through the twenties and thirties and forties through the, you know, through the decades, just watching, like seeing, seeing all the funny papers. Now they evolved. That had to be fun. I would have done. That. I would I mean, if you're going through these papers, anyway, anyway, Conley uh, studied the results and found that there were about 500 potential cases to connect to the legend. And from there narrowed it down to the most likely three, the first case was that of Ava Roy in August of 1918. Now, uh, Peter Roy was a Danish immigrant who had come to Fairfax from Minnesota in 1912. Uh, in November of that year, he purchased two set, uh, two parcels of land uh, that totaled about 180 acres. Roy was a successful farmer and active member of the local community. With him lived his eldest daughter, Caroline, her husband, uh, William, and his daughter, uh, Ava, who was his youngest daughter. I think he had a couple other daughters, too. And just so you know, uh, we're going to uh, definitely should put a uh, uh, content warning here, uh, trigger warning. It's going to get pretty brutal with some of these cases, so fair warning here. Now, on the uh, morning of August 4th, 1918, Eva Roy, who was 14 at the time, left her home around 9, around 9 a.m. to tend to her father's small herd of cows. Now, when Ava didn't return home that night, her father obviously got worried and began to search. Uh, a lot of the neighbors were called in to uh, help, but uh, it was about... 24 hours later that her body was found tied to a tree in the woods near the old hands house. Her apron strings had been tied around her throat. Uh, The County coroner concluded the girl had been brutally assaulted before being strangled to death. So not a pleasant way to go that she went. Uh, Coroner's jury was appointed and uh, quickly concluded. We, the jury find that Ava Roy came to her death at the hands of some unknown person. And the indications point to Lou hall as the probable perpetrator of the crime. Lou Hall was a 33 year old woodcutter and lived about a half mile from the scene of the crime he was seen in the woods uh, earlier that day uh, on the day of the girl's disappearance. Now they went through a series of suspects before they got to um, Hall. Uh the case not very easily solved. Uh, like I said, they went through several. It was uh, one of the ones they uh, ruled out was William Wooster. He was age 16 uh, and had been arrested for assaulting a, uh, their words colored girl. I remember what era we're in here. Uh, He had recently been released from an insane asylum, but was found that he was nowhere near the scene of the crime. So he was ruled out. Uh, The next suspect was a uh, soldier who had deserted one of the local camps, uh, Camp A.A. Humphreys, which became Fort Belvoir. Belvoir, Belvoir, Belvoir. Soldier who was a sergeant uh, that the papers did not name was uh, located a few days later near Charlottesville. Uh, He did have some scratches on his hands and face. Uh, was wearing freshly laundered clothes and claimed to have no memory of the events between him deserting the camp and his capture. Uh, A local sheriff uh, traveled to Charlottesville to interview the man, but after uh, his investigation concluded that he wasn't connected. Now, one other one uh, who had uh, was an escaped inmate. Now, one other potential uh, murderer uh, who was an escapee from Lorton prison was a Ben Rubin who had uh, been serving a three year sentence for housebreaking uh he was arrested uh in D C by DC police in uh September for assaulting a little girl. Uh while on the way he actually confessed, while on, on his way to the police station actually confessed to the uh, murder of Ava. He said that he met Ava Roy uh, looking after her father's cows, uh, asked her for some food and in a conversation told her that he was an ex con. To which point uh at which point she declared that he she would turn him up. I assume that means turn him in. Uh and uh he got uh, panicky and started choking her. So But uh, the Washington uh, authorities were unconvinced of his story, and uh, they wanted to try him for assault and different things. They even took him out to the scene of the crime, and he was unable to locate the tree that uh, the body was left. Um, Then he started denying uh, uh, that he had actually murdered her. It was all bullshit. Said that uh, the father being present there uh, made him decide not to to continue with his bullshit because he was lying. He actually uh, told the story uh, he wasn't actually just being uh, wasn't just a uh, nonsense false confession. Uh, he, con- he confessed to the crime so he would be transferred to the jail in Fairfax uh, because he thought that it would actually be easier to escape because he had some other charges that he was dealing. I uh, thought it'd be easier to escape in Fairfax. Um, he was eventually convicted of burglary um, and uh, escaped from prison and was sentenced to four more years. So he fucked himself uh, for no reason. There. Lou Hall uh, was finally tried for the murder. Actually had a couple trials. Uh, he was uh, most likely uh, most likely was the one that uh, committed the crime, uh, but he had two trials. One was uh, ended in a hung jury. The other way he was found not guilty, um, and uh, her murder was uh, ultimately never solved. Uh, so you know he went free, and uh, to this day we don't actually know who officially was the murderer. Now the next set of murders uh, again another uh, another. Another shocking and brutal one here uh, was uh, that of Minnie, Loretta, and Catherine Ridgway in March of 1927. So Mrs. Ridgway lived with her husband and three children on Telegraph Road in Alexandria. Uh, sometime in the morning of March 4th, 1927, a man later identified as Louis Borzig knocked on uh, knocked on their door, uh, basically asking if Mr. Ridgway was home. Uh, when he found that he was not, uh, Borzik attacked and beat Minnie Ridgeway into unconsciousness, and then uh, went on to bludgeon the daughters, uh, Loretta and Catherine. Loretta is, uh, Loretta was seven, and Catherine was five. Um, then he stole, you know, all the money he could find in the house and bounced. So he basically, literally, just, uh, you know, pulled some shit of like, you know, if the husband's not home. I'm gonna attack, uh, you know, because he thought he'd get away with it easier that way. Crime was discovered by a neighbor when he heard cries coming from inside the house. All three victims were taken to the hospital. Uh, Loretta, Loretta later died that day. Catherine Ridgway lived for another eight days before she died, and Minnie uh, actually did survive. Uh, she recovered and was able to identify the assailant, um, and uh, he actually was known to the Ridgways. He was somebody they knew, so that's even scarier. Uh, Borzig was arrested at his home and transferred to jail. Uh, he was arrested or he was executed for the murders of Loretta and Catherine on June 7th, 1927, just three months after his crime. They were like, fuck that guy. They were literally like, no, nah, you you are a son of a bitch and we're not even dealing with your ass. They put his ass down quick. The last uh, and the last possible murder that uh, that uh, Conley was able to connect to the legends as a possibility uh, is that of Francis and June Holiber. another seriously fucked up situation. Uh, this is this one's gruesome. So uh Francis was uh, 37 and her daughter June was only eight months old. On Thursday, February 24th, 1949, Mrs. Holleber and her daughter were driving to Fairfax County uh with her estranged husband, Charles. They were all residents of DC and they uh, I guess they were you know going back and forth at some, you know with one point here. Charles later told police that uh, they had come to see a new nudist colony that Mr. Holover had belonged to. I didn't even know they had nudist colonies back then. It's, that's either a really a really creative ploy there, or that's just some you know, absolute nonsense here. Now, somewhere along the way, they got uh, stuck in the mud and the couple got into a fight. Mrs. Holover took the child and walked away and uh, never returned. Uh, Charles Holover spent the night in the car uh, and got a ride back to D.C. the next day, returned with his brother-in-law and a friend to retrieve the car uh still finding no evidence of the family the police were uh, notified uh, an intensive uh, search of the area took place It involved the uh, Fairfax County police Washington detectives and the boy scouts which i mean that's you know i never you know when I was in boy scouts we never we never went looking for missing murder folk you know just saying it just seems like uh seems like things were a lot more intensive back then it was like yeah yeah you got a uniform get those get these 12 year olds out here get these fucking yeah get them out here looking now, the next day, about 5 p.m., uh, searchers were about to give up for the night. Uh, one of the detectives noticed that the ground he was standing on was pretty soft, so they decided to kind of yeah, just check it out a little bit. Both the mother and the daughter were found in a shallow grave about 200 yards away from where Charles, Hol- Charles Holiber's car had been stuck in the mud. Francis Holiber had been beaten and then shot once in the head and once in the heart, and the baby girl had been buried alive. What kind of son of a bitch? I mean, uh, an eight-month-old baby, dude, that's some fucked-up shit. That is some fucked-up shit. And the local community was clearly horrified by the whole situation, uh, especially uh, when the investigation identified Charles Holber as the prime suspect. Uh, Holber confessed uh, to investigators that he had planned the murder for three weeks, and uh, he actually had not intended to report the uh, disappearance of his wife, but changed the plan when he got caught in the mud. This, this dumb son of a bitch. Like, his whole plan unraveled because he actually got stuck in the mud and couldn't get himself out. Like, what an asshole. What a piece of shit. And then it came to trial on January 16, 1950. Uh, and after hearing about four days of testimony, uh, the jury returned a uh, guilty verdict and uh, homeboy was sentenced to die. Now, Holabird's attorney uh, was able to get an appeal filed and got the thing uh, actually undone uh, and uh, got him got him retried. Found uh the second time that he was insane and he uh, you know, was basically sent to a uh insane asylum in Marion, Virginia. Uh so you know he managed to sort of get away with uh, murder. Um, you know, wasn't put to death. Uh he uh, went to went to an insane asylum. But Conley thinks that uh, all three of those might be off base as well. Uh Hullabore was caught and incarcerated, Louis uh Borzig was caught and you know executed and Ava Roy, uh, she never, she never found justice. Uh, she never found justice. And that, you know, that one was just simply too old, just too old to be the one. Conley did finally find a breakthrough in his research uh, when he found a newspaper article around Halloween of 1970. This is the part that actually leads like to, this is the part that actually kind of ties it all together as far as the bunny man stuff goes. This is the part, the reality of it, that, re- that uh, combined with the murders creates this soup Of a local legend. The article read as follows. Man in bunny suits sought in Fairfax. Fairfax County police said yesterday they are looking for a man who likes to wear white bunny rabbit costume and throws hatchets through car windows. Honest. The newspaper actually said the word honest. Like, we know this is insane. But this really happened. We're really looking for this guy. Air Force Academy cadet uh, Robert Bennett told police shortly after midnight last Sunday, he and his fiance were sitting in a car on the 4,400 block of Guinea Road when a man dressed in a white bunny suit with long bunny ears ran from nearby bushes and shouted, you're on private property and I have your tag number. This is is the real, like, this is the reality. You need to remember this. This is the real thing that caused this legend to become what it is. The rabbit then threw a wooden-handled hatchet through the right front window of the car, the first-year cadet told police. As soon as he threw the hatchet, the rabbit skipped off into the night, police said. I love that he skipped off into the night. Like, that's what they chose to describe. Like, this dude comes out of nowhere, starts shouting about trespassing, and then fucking hammer throws a goddamn axe into the car, and then skips off into the night, like a fucking weird asshole. Uh, ben and his and uh, fiance were not injured, probably just sh- shaken up a little bit. That had to be the weirdest, that had to be such a mind fuck. Man, we talk about how weird it is now. I mean, it was no less weird in the 70s. It's just you just had to look around a little bit. The article continues. uh, Police say they have the hatchet, but no other clues in the case. Uh, They say Bennett was visiting an uncle who lives across the street from the spot where the car was parked. Um, The cadet was in the area to attend a uh, Air Force Navy football game. And then only two weeks later, the bunny man struck again. Uh, Another article uh, read man wearing a furry bunny rabbit suit with two long ears appeared again. On Guinea Road in Fairfax County, Thursday night, police reported, this time wielding an axe and chopping away at a roof support on a new house. The article continues, less than two weeks ago, a man wearing what was described as a rabbit suit uh, accused two people in a parked car of trespassing and heaved a hatchet through a closed window of the car at uh, uh, 5400 Guinea Road. No, they were not hurt. Thursday night's rabbit uh, wearing a suit described as a as gray, black and white was spotted a block away at 5307 Guinea Road. Paul Phillips, a uh, private security guard for a construction company, said he saw the rabbit standing on the front porch of a new but unoccupied house. I started talking to him, Phillips said, because that's what you do when you see a fucking psycho with an in a bunny outfit and an axe. You just start talking to him. He's probably a reasonable fellow. That's when he started shopping. And here's this guy, like, here's this guy in a bunny suit with an axe, and he, and he just like, that's when he starts to get agitated, you know, and just starts like chopping at this support beam. Oh, you people trespass around here! Phillips said that the rabbit uh whacked the uh whacked the pole eight times, and then looked at him and said, "If you don't get out of here, I'm gonna bust you in the head." Uh, Phillips uh was notably uh you know a little bit uh, taken aback by that, and went to go get his handgun, but the rabbit had. Uh, Ran off into the woods. Didn't skip that time, but ran off into the woods. Security guard said the man was about 5'8", 160 pounds, and appeared to be in his early 20s. This is literally, like I said, the weird bit of truth that created the entire legend. Went from some weirdo hanging out in the woods in a bunny suit, chasing people off, to literally game of telephoning into this whole local cryptid slash urban legend. pretty cool when you think about it, actually. Some weirdo. Accidentally created this. Now we'll likely never know who uh the true identity of the bunny man is, but perhaps you can find out for yourself if you go to his bridge in Fairfax County at night. You say his name thrice. Find out for yourself if the legends are true. <laughs> well, thanks for getting weird with me. uh Special thanks to Brian Conley for all the research that he, uh, he made available online. Uh, that was a lot of help that we were able to, you know, a lot of the articles that I was looking through uh, referenced the uh, what Brian Conley had done. Uh, so it, was, it basically all came back to him it was, uh, you know, Brian Conley is the reason that we have all the information we do. So uh, shout out to Brian. Uh, doubt that he uh, tunes into the show. But if you do, Brian, thanks for uh, all that research. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, everybody, uh, please consider uh, leaving the show a five star review on Apple podcast really helps the show. And it's a free and easy way to support Weird WeirdWide. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. Also, check out www.weirdwide.com, the new official home of Weird Wide on the interwebs. Uh, you can find every episode, subscribe to the newsletter, uh, get episodes sent directly to you. Uh, more stuff coming on that, so stay tuned. Uh, if you have any cool info that I missed on the Bunny Man or maybe just want to say hi, ask me a question, uh, anything, email the show at weirdwidepodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on TikTok and Insta as Dude Is Weirdo, so you can DM me on there. Uh, again, let me know what you think. Say hi. Tell me, uh, tell me some ideas for uh, episodes you want to hear. Uh, just yeah, whatever. If you got a cool story you want me to read on the air, uh, tune in next week. Uh, aiming to have a uh, weird news roundup. Uh, should have Natalie and the Ghost on there with me, taking you through all the weirdest news that we could find. Uh, you do not want to miss that. We got some really cool shit. Uh, I know I've got a lot of weird news uh, just waiting to be unleashed on you weirdos. So um stay tuned for that and again thanks for bearing with me through this episode i know that I uh, wasn't my usual energy i was a little bit uh, just not you know, not feeling good so again uh yeah you know, thanks for tuning in with me there i love you all and until next time keep it weird